This is the Sports with Teeth podcast. Podcasting live, your hosts, Kyle Washington and Alex Warnicke. Welcome to the Sports Boutique Podcast. My name is Alex Warnicke. My co-host, as always, Kyle Washett. Kyle, it's been a week since our last podcast. Lots has gone down. Lots of news, lots of highlights, lots of games. Uh, good time to be a college football fan, and we are back. We're back. It's a great time to be a college football fan. I didn't get to go to the game this weekend. Unfortunately, I was at a wedding, a blast of a wedding up by Mount Rainier. Zero cell phone service. Had to go to a bar to watch the first half of the game. Luckily, we had it well out of a hand before I had to attend the service. So things were all right there. Um, got to rewatch the game. Studied up, ready to go on the pod here. Should be a good one tonight. Absolutely. And let's start off with a bang. Uh, I believe we have some breaking news. Uh, that yeah. we do, or we breaking have some breaking news. news. The Pac-12 schedule for next season announced. I know that's a little wild card for you listeners there. Didn't think we'd be talking about 2015 tonight, but we're going to talk about it real quick. The Huskies set to open on uh, Thursday or Friday night at Boise State in the return of Chris Peterson to Boise, where he spent a long time as their coach. Um, should be an interesting opener there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Chris Peterson's return to the Blue Turf over in Boise. Uh, it be interesting to see how the fans receive him. Uh, should be pretty good reception, I feel like. Um, I mean, he is their best coach they've ever had. So, uh, I mean, <laughs> should be should be a pretty good reception for them. Uh, I've no, heard no ill will towards Coach Pete from the Boise State faithful. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think looking at the schedule, we're going to just glance over it briefly. I think the key stretch is going to be a three-game stretch right in a row. In October, they go at USC and then have Stanford at home and then, or excuse me, Oregon at home and then go to Stanford. So SC, Oregon, and Stanford all right in a row sets up for a real tough October for the Dogs. Yeah, this is the same schedule, same kind of schedule that the Huskies had last season where they played Oregon and Stanford back to back. And that's just so rough for a Pac 12 North team to have to play both of those schools in back to back weeks. I mean, just rough. And then you add in the fact that they're going down to the Coliseum down in uh, L.A., down South Central on a Thursday night, mm-hmm. the night the week before Oregon, man, that's just a rough, rough stretch. Yeah, not not ideal as far as the scheduling, but, I mean, you're never going to have an ideal s- schedule really here in the Pac-12. It's always going to be tough. So um, I guess we look look at it now a little bit, but uh, I think we might as well get right into uh, right into this season's efforts. Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, Let's talk about the dogs, baby. Your Huskies, 44, Illinois, 19, in a game that was over pretty much in the uh, in the second quarter there after a couple uh, big plays from our defense. Um, what do you see here, War? Uh, how, where do you watch the game here? Uh, I actually watched the game uh, from my couch sitting at home, uh, which was nice. nice. Having, uh, haven't watched any games like that all season, so that... That was good for uh, for me this week. But, yeah, Huskies' mm-hmm. defense looking uh, a whole heck of a lot better against Illinois than they looked against uh, Eastern or Hawaii. 
And then uh, the offense still continuing to look good under Siler Miles' leadership. Um, but, I mean, I think the the thing that we have to start off with, uh, I mean, we're going to get to the main playmaker here in a little bit, but I think what we have to start off with is that front seven. And it's finally that front seven that we were talking about all preseason long. Yeah, we spent all summer, we had plenty of episodes talking about how nasty this front seven was going to be, and we looked like kind of fools after those first two games because they weren't salty at all, but finally they turned him loose, you had Danny Shelton taking off double teams, triple teams on the inside, Holy Kikaha blitzing off the edge, he had three three sacks, three and a half tackles for loss, I mean, they turned him loose, and uh, he just wreaked havoc uh, on that Illinois offense, and uh, West Lunt really didn't have any time to throw with Kikaha getting after him. Yeah, it's amazing what happens when you let your best pass rusher just pass rush. I mean, shocking. They we talked about it last week, you know, where they've had him playing this buck role, which calls for him to go out and pass coverage a lot. But that's just not his strong suit. His strong suit is getting to the quarterback. And oh man, he got to the quarterback a few times. He he got uh, home a few times there. Oh, and he was just annihilating the tackles on both sides, the right and the left tackle. Mm-hmm. Both had plays where he just flat out beat them and it was a one-man play essentially it was you can't stop Howley Kikaha so your play is completely null and void uh which was fantastic to see from the big Hawaiian yeah definitely and uh, I think obviously we've uh we've gone what about five minutes in this podcast and we haven't talked about the main playmaker on our defense yeah, Shaq Thompson obviously was unbelievable. We got a couple Shaq Thompson drops here for the audience tonight. Uh, two touchdowns on the defensive side of the ball. You don't see that very often. Uh, yeah, the Walter Camp National Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, best defensive performance in all of college football this mm-hmm. week. Uh, two defensive touchdowns, the pick six, and the scoop and score. Uh, he likes to score no matter how you give him the ball. Uh, he's, I mean, just he's one of those guys, just get the ball in his hands and good things are going to happen for your defense or your offense for that matter great things are going to happen and we uh we we're hoping that the rest of the season we see a lot more Shaq Thompson touchdowns so I made a drop for the Shaq Thompson touchdown sound right here 40 30 20 Shaq Thompson will take it that distance I have to touch no one touches the Shaq nobody touches the Shaq this homework no, nobody touches the Shaktis. He was the real deal on Saturday uh, playing against Illinois there. The acceleration on the scoop and score, just unbelievable. I couldn't couldn't believe he just outran everybody on that on that offense. I mean, yes, he is outrunning offensive linemen and a quarterback, maybe a running back too, but, um, you know, he just showed some pure athleticism, uh, didn't let the offensive players catch up to him and took it for six for his second defensive touchdown of the day. Yeah, what really impressed me on that play was just the you saw the ball sitting out there after uh, Andrew Hudson stripped it, and he just literally just accelerated right to the ball, just put his head down, scoops it up just perfectly, and off to the races in what was a uh, back-breaking play um, for for Illinois. And obviously, that fir- first one put him up twenty-one to nothing or twenty-one three, excuse me, and uh, that one really put it out of reach. Uh, and the Huskies really never looked back after that second defensive touchdown from Shaq Thompson. Yeah, my coaches always back in high school always told me, you know, you have one opportunity to scoop the ball up. If you don't make 
if you don't scoop the ball up the first time, you better jump on it. Fall on it. There, yep. there was no way Shaq Thompson was going to fall on that ball. <laughs> he had one thing on his mind and one thing only. No, was and that was getting zone. into that purple end zone. Yep, definitely. And it and it looked like he got tripped up on a running play. He almost had a third touchdown on the day. And he was just that that close to breaking it when they put him in for a series in, in the start of the second half. There, he uh, he had a great game. Obviously, national player of the week. Uh, and not not much more can be said about Shaq. Absolutely. Um, Illinois held to one one for 13 on third down, a key stat in this game. Um, the Huskies, who have had so many problems on third down uh, throughout this entire season, finally stepped up and got off the field when it mattered. Uh, only 279 yards of offense through the air for the Fighting Illini, uh, and that's, that's saying something against this team who's got a quarterback and some receivers who can really spread the ball around. Yeah, I mean, coming into this game, they're averaging uh, over 400 yards through the air and, and uh, 61% on third down. So to hold them for one of th- 13 on third down, very critical. Um, I thought a lot a lot of that had to do with, with the play of our, our front seven finally getting some pressure on the quarterback um, because there's, there's still some issues in that secondary. Absolutely. I mean, the the most glaring one, I mean, we all know, we talked about last week, Marcus Peters suspended, um, which, just an update for everyone, according to Adam Jude of the Seattle Times, he'll be back this, this week uh, mm-hmm. to face Georgia State or Georgia, Georgia Southern, I don't know, Georgia something. Georgia, Georgia State. Yeah, there you go. The Panthers. <laughs> the Fighting yeah. Panthers of Georgia State. So he will replace, I'm sure, Travell Dixon, who was just absolutely brutal. And the only reason that the Illini were ever in this game, he gets beat twice on just absolute deep balls that he just looked like a like a fool out there. He looked like a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't know how to how to defend it. Just right over the top. Uh, one of them was a beautiful catch in the end zone, but I mean, get, just letting the guys get wide open, unacceptable out of Dixon. Uh, I don't see him getting much playing time with Peters back. Uh, Sidney Jones, the true freshman, looked more than serviceable. I think he really earned himself a lot of playing time and secured that second corner spot opposite of Peters, who coming back. Hopefully, he's going to be have his head screwed on straight this time, and uh, uh, you know, ate a little bit of that humble pie and uh, starts playing like the the true star that he was last year. Yeah, absolutely. It was good to see him, and good to see a true freshman who can perform at this level already. Um, that is certainly relieving, I'm sure, for the secondary coaches that they've got it's this huge. kid who is playing at this level already, and uh, you know they'll, they're going to have him for at least a couple more years. So that's great. Uh, but I mean, I still want to see the secondary play against quality Pac-12 opponents, uh, yeah, which we're clearly. not too far away from. Yeah, definitely. Another note there is Jermaine Kelly. Um, he's he had to surgically, surgical, have surgery this uh, week. He repaired a broken foot. He suffered in the Eastern game. Looks like he's going to be out for most of the year. So that's another cornerback going down. We were counting on him as the redshirt freshman into this year. He's going to be a starter. But Sidney Jones taking that spot, and he looks to be uh, more than pulling his weight in a uh, very young uh, but definitely talented secondary. Absolutely. Um... Let's move on to the offense here, unless you have anything else to say about the defense. Yeah, I mean, the, the safeties, they're young. Obviously, Baker, uh, Buda Baker, Kevin King, Trevor Walker, those guys are all playing a lot, um, playing pretty well, actually, you know. They kind of had some had some learning curve, but uh, they're starting to round into form. 
they should, you know, hopefully, hopefully be pretty solid. Um, another thing to note, I think, I think this defense looked a lot better too, just because one, they turned Kikaha loose uh, and not not having him in pass protection, really getting after the quarterback, and two, because uh, West Lunt was not nearly as mobile as Vernon Adams. I'm still still very, pretty concerned about a mobile quarterback, a Marcus Mariota, you know, your your Brett Hundleys, your Taylor Kellys. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough against those guys that can can possibly escape the pocket. But if we get a, if we get a pocket passer, uh, I think we're, our pass rush is gonna be able to contain and cover up a lot of blemishes that, that our secondary might have. Yeah, and there there are a few of those in the Pac-12. I mean, we're gonna see one at Oregon State and Sean Mannion. We're gonna see one at Washington State and Connor Halliday. Um, so Kevin Hogan, decent runner, but not well. really electric to get out of the pocket. Yeah, so I think we'll we'll be we'll be able to keep contain a lot of those uh, more pro style QBs for sure. Absolutely. Speaking of uh, mobile quarterbacks, Siler Miles uh, had another great game this week. 15 for 20, 191 yards and a touchdown. Also had 64 rushing yards. Uh, looks like he's coming around to this offense pretty pretty quickly and pretty nicely. Yeah, for young young quarterback, I mean, we, we kind of forget with Siler Miles. This is only his uh, what, third start as a, yeah, as a QB. Third. So I mean it's fifteen and twenty. That's a great seventy five percent. That's awesome. You know, uh, we're not asking him to do a ton. We started throwing the ball down the field a little bit more um, this this week. He had that great throw to John Ross for for six to put us up fourteen three. Uh, after after Illinois went down and kind of made our defense. I thought here we go again after they drove down on that first first possession. Second possession we get that deep bomb to John Ross and our defense turns it on and uh, we never never looked back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, a lot of playmakers showing up this week. Uh, I mean, I think Jadon Mickens showed up. I think mm-hmm. uh, I think John Ross obviously is continuing to show that he's absolutely electric when he touches the ball. Yeah, um, he had that seventy-five yard touchdown on the on the post. We've seen that play before against Hawaii, huh? Uh, yeah, and then absolutely. The fifty-five yard return to start the game. I mean, and then this. I think his best play of the game was his, this this touchdown return. They got called back from a blocking them back up by Travis Feeney, but he was just he was had four guys that bottled him up inside the zone fifteen yard line, jukes all of them, and then just sprints off to the house uh, and a touchdown. They got called back, but man, you can see what kind of dynamic we- weapon he is. Yeah, he obviously has the speed and the the mobility to get there. I do want to say about that play, I do think, I mean, Travis Feeney's block in the back was a clear block in the back, and also I don't think that John Ross really breaks that run if he doesn't get that block in the back. Yeah, good point. uh, It was was right at the point of the tackle. But, no, it was still very impressive, and I think a lot of the media, especially uh, on Twitter, was all over that. They were just loving his speed and his athleticism. So, uh, I mean... I'm not going to be surprised when he takes one to the house. I mean, it's it's coming. It's definitely oh. coming. Oh, it coming. A, it's a matter of when, not if. Yep. You mentioned Jadon Mickens as well, another receiver that uh, only had two catches coming in the game, was our leading leading pass catcher last year, um, receptions-wise. He had five for 75 yards to, or on Saturday, so good to see him getting more involved in the offense. And I think as uh, Siler continues to develop and we continue to maybe throw the ball a little bit more, uh, he's he's going to be dangerous for us. Now was he the one who passed, or was he the one who caught the ball on that on that receiver pass? He remember. actually threw. Well, we had multiple multiple trick plays out of the offense, which uh, we were seeing a lot more trick plays than I thought we were. But he actually threw one out of the end zone on a play that was kind of busted. But he made a smart smart decision to throw the ball away. And then I believe he caught one from uh, Marvin Hall or DeAndre Campbell, maybe. If yeah. it was Marvin Hall, he caught it. Yeah, that's right. 
yeah that that mm-hmm. was a that was actually a pretty good play uh yeah. not the best thrown ball but i mean guy was wide open didn't have to be <laughs> the, the best thrown ball so. yeah definitely definitely um case and williams uh only one target the this week what what do you what do you see what do you how do you read into that yeah that's frustrating i mean uh here's a guy who you know had all the accolades coming out of high school everyone was excited for him kind of that that big body uh tall very physical receiver and Mm -hmm. um you know he had he had a great season uh back with keith price but then he got hurt last season um suffered i I believe it was a list frank injury i'm not sure about that ankle or a list frank something in his Mm -hmm. foot um yeah broken uh, ankle list frank fracture i believe yeah yeah exactly so i mean it just kind of seems like he's probably not 100 percent back from that injury yet he's not Um, he's he's playing which is Mm -hmm. which is good but um it's you know, it's it's clearly he it's clear that he doesn't have that same explosive capability uh, that he did before that injury, and um, you know, hopefully that'll come back. Uh, I think he's got the whole season to kind of nurse it, and it seems like the coaches are aware of it, and they're all, and they're not putting him in too much mm. um, to try and rest it up. So. Um, yeah, you'd, but, you'd yeah, like you'd really like to see him just as a guy who's started for us for four years. You know, you'd like to see him be able to contribute into what looks looks to be a pretty uh, pretty dangerous offense, and just adding that extra weapon uh, could be critical uh, once we get into the the heart of Pac-12 play. Another weapon in the past game we saw uh, Daryl Daniels, couple nice catches. I believe he had three catches. Um, he's he's a guy that we saw in fall camp uh, put up some put up some nice plays. Um, he could be, be a pretty good pass catcher for us um, from a tight end position that uh, we're looking to replace Austin Safarian Jenkins, who obviously was a, a key contributor the last few years. Absolutely, Kyle. Speaking of another position that we're trying to replace, uh, the running back position as well. A little bit more by committee this week, didn't you think? Yeah, clearly. This, you know, we talked last week on the podcast about Levon Coleman maybe stepping up and really grabbing the reins. Uh, this week, he, he, it's not like Levon played bad or anything, but uh, they just just really made a concerted effort to spread the spread the football around. Dwayne Washington, fifty eight yards. Jesse Callier, fifty three yards. Uh, Levon Coleman, forty six yards. So all those guys getting carries. You also factor in uh, Siler Miles with the sixty four yards, including a real nice third down run. He picked up nineteen yards on a third and seventeen late in the third quarter. Um, you know that that's dangerous as well. So I think these these, these running backs are uh, clearly um, pretty pretty solid, and uh, they're all all getting touches and all doing the most with their touches. Yeah, you also factor in. Uh, I mean, you've got kind of the speedy back in Jesse Callier, and then uh, Dwayne Washington. Man, he had a little little baby beast mode run for a touchdown. Uh, I believe that was in the third quarter. Uh, broke a few tackles and. Got into the end I think zone it was in the second. I think it. it was in the second quarter, but yeah, second he had quarter, that great run. Quarter. It was like a third and four from the twelve, and he broke a couple tackles. Look, real nice play. And uh, the other, the really the X factor in the backfield. Shaq Thompson, he's the savior of the universe. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's he's gonna get the carries as well. You know that one series. Whenever they give him the one series, it's must see TV. Um, uh, yeah, but all these guys combined for 245 yards on the ground, and what looks to be a nice rushing attack. Jonathan Smith, the play caller, offensive coordinator. He's he's calling a lot of runs. It's almost two to one run to pass, but we had the balance in the in the yardage numbers. So a very versatile uh, offensive attack. Um, it's going to be interesting to see when they actually face a defense, though. Yeah, one thing I want to talk about with Shaq, though, is that, you know, he does get that one series every every game, 
except for he gets the ball every play on that series. I mean, if I'm a defense, I as soon as he comes into the game, I'm keying on him. I mean, I'm sure Chris Peterson is doing that for a reason. He's probably now doing that so then at the in the Stanford game, he's going to throw Shaq in there on a decoy play and probably mm-hmm. burn Stanford for six. He's a smart guy, Coach, Coach Peterson. Yeah. Um, you get but Shaq. Still, I mean, yep. You take if, like if a toss there, to Shaq. Yep. They're yep, going to use him, right? Yeah. I mean, so far, but I like you said, there's there got to be setting something up. You know, you you set Siler in there. You fake a toss sweep out to one side, and then you get John Ross going over the top on the post. Get that safety to take one wrong step, and we got six. So that's something to look for definitely in the future. Absolutely, Kyle. Let's move on to the Huskies' opponent this week, Georgia State. Uh, team that is just plain old not good uh new to fbs um new to existence in general um went winless last year yeah there's this program established in uh 2010 uh didn't win a game last year in their when they faced the uh, vaunted sunbelt funbelt conference um they did win their first game this year against abilene christian who's a pretty bad fcs school so and they had to take take it to a last second field goal so this is a team that comes in and realistically it's it's a, almost a glorified pseudo bye week for us um so something something basically right now we just want to keep our guys healthy and keep developing the depth and experience in the, in what's a young young back end of our defense yeah one thing we can pick out from them uh they do average 373 yards passing per game uh which is eighth in the country um so they're gonna spread the ball around uh, they're gonna test that young secondary but i mean even this young secondary should have their way with uh because they're just better athletes uh than yeah. this georgia state team yeah you gotta think so have you seen a line on this game i haven't yeah i have not either i haven't been able to find one but uh you know i'd, I'd guess that it should be a uh something in the 52 to 6 line and i'll I'll lock that up 52 to 6 huskies (laughs) i like it uh yeah i'm guessing i mean the huskies are probably pretty clearly gonna score over 50 points i would say so i'm with you on that one um i don't know who knows the the defense could you know maybe travel dixon gives up another long touchdown or something like that so uh i'm gonna go with uh 56 to 10 56 to 10 oh you're gonna have 10 really yeah, i'm gonna give him 10 i'm gonna give him a fluke touchdown and a field goal fluke touchdown late after we take out our, uh, oh, yeah. our garbage our top time. Team. garbage time td garbage time td okay all right so as you can tell this game not too much preview it's a three three o'clock game pac 12 networks gonna be in seattle should be a nice day um, for a ball game uh, hit me up on the uh, sports t twitter if you want to tailgate with me before the game uh, i'll be out there in full force knee one um but yeah other than that uh, this, this isn't isn't gonna be that that hotly contested of a game i wouldn't think yeah absolutely for for the huskies the key is to just you know not look completely past it but um you know prepare for stanford uh the week after a game that i will be attending for all of our uh trusty listeners up in seattle i will be at that game in full force kyle and i will be tailgating so if you want to come down and uh have a few adult beverages with us uh please feel free um but yeah the huskies have to you know get business done and then uh then all the attention focuses on that big pac-12 opener for the dogs yeah that's that game's still looming large and uh speaking of cold beverages war you know what time it is don't you oh i know what time it is when you need that frothy refreshment it's time for sports with teeth 
beer of the week. Give me a cold beer here. Oh man, that's good. Beer of the week. Beer of the week. Oh yes, Kyle, the vaunted return of Beer of the Week, our weekly segment where we review two fine, frothy, cold adult beverages. Uh, Kyle, we have a theme this week. A theme. Oh, it's getting fall. Those nights are getting a little crisper. You maybe got some uh, frost on your windshield. It's time. It's fall time, and that means only one thing: fall beer time. In which uh, case, yeah. I have myself a nice, my first pumpkin ale of the year. Oh, I love the pumpkin ales. Wasn't a big fan of them when I was younger, but, oh, man, I just can't get enough of them now. Yeah, they're pretty tasty. And, uh, ladies, remember, if you don't Instagram your pumpkin ale or your pumpkin spice latte, then it didn't happen. No, it did not. <laughs> All right, well, pumpkin I... spice lives solely on Instagram. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I have a, in my hands a dogfish head pumpkin ale, P-U-N-K-I-N ale. Uh, fantastic pumpkin ale. This is, I think, my favorite of all the pumpkin ales. So if you're going to indulge in that, uh, I would highly recommend it. It's from Dogfish Head Brewing Company in Delaware. It's a very famous craft brew um, mecca, I guess, over in the East Coast there. Uh, great brewery. This beer's been around for uh, for a long time. It was first introduced in the 1994 Pumpkin Chunkin' uh, contest um, before Dogfish Head was even a brewery so uh these guys have been brewing this for a long time and they've got this ale right perfected oh i love myself a little dogfish head pumpkin uh, yeah solid beer to pick up uh especially if you're just trying to enjoy one or two you know uh not not something that you're going to be drinking all day at a tailgate that's for sure yeah uh, definitely it's a, it's a super sweet brown ale um that has the, a lot of pumpkin flavor in it really well balanced uh i would highly recommend it for uh, anyone who likes beer anyone who likes uh, pumpkin pie great beer this is a good thanksgiving beer it says on their website pairs real well with turkey and i can definitely vouch for that oh, love myself some thanksgiving food you know that you know that as well as i do um, love me thanks i think that's my favorite favorite holiday what's your favorite holiday war man it's hard to argue against thanksgiving i mean you've got like what turkey, more do you need? the gravy Oh, love it um i'm a big fan of fourth of july because i'm an american uh clearly so that's a solid one um <laughs> uh yeah uh first day of college football season my favorite that thursday is real nice i'll agree with that one uh what, what kind of beer do you, you you went with a different type of fall beer didn't go with the pumpkin ale uh what do, what'd you go with no, so I went to the beer store today, and uh, or my local supermarket, actually. I didn't, didn't go to our friends over at BevMo uh, to pick up a, an interesting pumpkin beer. Um, didn't really like the pumpkin beer selection at Safeway. So I went with an Anchor Brewing uh, Big Leaf Maple Autumn Red um, Anchor Brewing out of San Francisco. So it's a local beer for me. Um, 6% alcohol by volume. Caramel malt and maple syrup drive, this, drive the flavor of this beer. So... It's got a nice little smooth kind of uh, kind of sugary uh, malted character that drives the the main taste on it. Um, it's also dry hopped, which I found interesting. Uh, didn't really know it before uh, I looked it up for beer of the week this week. <laughs> and um, interesting that you get the uh, the maple syrup and the malt and the caramel, and then you add in this kind of bitter hop flavor from the dry hopping. So, um, but all in all, it provides a really cool like uh nice little aroma when it first hits you and then um that that sweet smooth finish so um a very very solid beer um again another one 
a good one to drink on a cold day mm-hmm. uh you're gonna definitely gonna enjoy that beer i think yeah definitely these fall beers you get maybe get to go a little sweeter with them than you than you normally would a beer but you get the dark beers of that really rich flavor good stuff real good stuff. absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. uh that'll do it for beer of the week this week uh, as always please try and hit us up um suggest a beer suggest a theme even uh we'd love to hear from our loyal listeners out there on the twitter on the facebook or at sportswithteeth at gmail.com you know what i'm thinking i think we should uh when we pick our beers of the week we should tweet them out to our listeners so that then they can sample along with us oh that might be a good idea you guys should follow us on the twitter there at sports with teeth (laughs) we'll uh tweet out our beers maybe uh maybe a night before two nights before and you guys can uh, enjoy one while you listen to the podcast there you go right on well with that let's uh let's do a little pack 12 whip around absolutely absolutely yeah. what's the so the first game here i want to talk about is quite, the biggest upset uh vegas wise this this whole year uh usc after that big win at stanford goes out to boston college and drops the game 31 37 yeah, Kyle, I don't know if you knew this, but Boston College was my original first choice for a school. Uh, oh, really? I was really interested in going to BC. Yeah, Chestnut uh, took Hill. A, took, a little, took a little trip over there. Beautiful, beautiful area. Um, can't say enough about Boston College. It's Chestnut Hill is a gorgeous little town. Went in the summer. Um, you know, it was warm but uh, and a little bit humid, but it was extremely beautiful. Um, love Alumni Stadium over there. Uh it's got a lot of history around that that school, but um, yeah, pulling off the big big upset over USC thirty seven thirty one, pretty crazy and, game. Yeah, clearly this is a letdown trap game for SC. I mean, huge win, physical game at Stanford, uh, and then they have to go across the country for a night game at Boston College, a team that's not that great, but um, it's definitely a letdown spot for SC and. Uh, you know, it's it's a tough one for the Pac-12 when they're trying to get this credibility. You know, especially the the, the playoff, trying to get a team in there. You know, uh, it's tough tough to see them go on the road and drop this. And you know, a lot of times you, these letdown games, you might think that it was maybe a fluke or you know a turnover here, a bad bounce, a bad penalty call. But this really was was kind of a beatdown. BC had 452 rushing yards to USC's 20. I mean, they 452 to 20. So they took it to him. Tyler Murphy, their quarterback, rushed for 191 yards. Uh, this was this was a butt whooping, uh, and you know, SC just got out physical uh, by BC. It's pretty weird. Yeah, absolutely. It's I mean, it's crazy. This is the a lot of people are saying this is a Steve Sarkeesian that that Washington <laughs> kind of got rid of. Uh, I mean, you know, yeah. he's always good for a few big wins on the season, but he's also always good for a few losses that you kind of just scratch your head at. I mean, you uh, yeah, my head's starting whipped. to itch a little bit, scratching it. <laughs> and to be fair, it was in the rain in Boston, across the country. Uh, you know, pretty hostile environment. They had a that a big. Uh, promotion for their game the red bandana thing for uh one of their alumni who was uh unfortunately killed in the september 11th attacks i believe um so Mm -hmm. you know they had a lot of students there pretty rowdy fans tough place to play at alumni stadium when it's when it's rocking and rolling and uh man eagles got came away with a huge win over usc yeah, definitely. I mean, you thought USC was going to be that front runner in the Pac-12 South after their their big win last week, but this one makes you makes you wonder a little bit about who really wants to win that Pac-12 South. Yeah, speaking of the Pac-12 South, uh, I thought that while I was watching, 
the U- USC get beat by Boston College, I was pretty worried that Texas was going to upset UCLA. Doesn't end up happening. Uh, UCLA wins 20-17 to over the Longhorns in Dallas at Jerry World, um, which is fitting. Uh, Very fitting. what happened. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was a good game too. And if UCLA would have lost that, it would have been a very very poor weekend for uh, the Pac-12. Yeah, you reference it, but the big story here is Jerry Neuheisel coming in off the bench uh, after Brett Hundley gets hurt, brings the team back, um, and uh, has a great like 30-yard touchdown throw with a couple minutes left to Jordan Payton to really to uh, win the game, put him in the lead 20 to 17. Um, and I think going forward here, you know, you have those all those questions about that offensive line and the defense from UCLA. But now you got the big question of Brett Hundley: uh, Is he going to be available for him going forward here? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome to see. Uh, by the way, uh, Rick Neuheisel, They they had video of him at Pac-12 Network headquarters uh, watching that game. <laughs> that yeah, his that son's awesome. quarterbacking, and uh, pretty cool to see see the kid's dad. You know, a vaunted college football coach <laughs> pacing around like 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 a dad, not like yeah. a coach. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So that was cool to see. I loved love seeing that. I'm sure uh, I'm sure a lot of people around the country were pretty uh, pretty stoked to see to see that reaction. From yeah, good old Rick from Slick Rick, uh, the last coach to lead the Huskies to a Rose Bowl. So uh, pretty pretty interesting there. Um, yeah, Hundley Hundley's going to have to be healthy though for this team to compete. It's a non throwing elbow. His left elbow was hyperextended. Uh, they're Mora's pretty tight-lipped on injuries, so we're not getting much out of him. He's questionable for their next game against uh, Arizona State, and that's that's a a week from this coming Thursday. Huge showdown down in the desert. Um, That's going to go a long way to winning to who wins the South. Um, It'll be interesting to to see because both teams now have uh, quarterback question marks. Yeah, absolutely. For Hundley, I mean, you say it's a non-throwing elbow, but... He's a he's a runner at heart. I mean, he's a guy who gets out of the pocket. He's a guy who takes a lot of contact. And if you're not 100% throughout your entire body, um, you know, he might favor one side to the other. He might, um, you know, he's got to carry that ball in the left hand as well. So um, it's not it's not a some injury that you can come back to, you know, very fairly easily from if you're that kind of quarterback. Yeah, especially with an offensive line that's that's uh, pretty porous, and it's shown that they're not going to protect him all that well. I, uh, yeah. I actually I got to watch this game on the uh, Longhorn Network because I watched it on the replay. I wasn't able to watch it live because of that wedding, so I watched the replay on the Longhorn Network this morning. And uh, there's some pretty funny commercials on there, uh, like a bunch of bunch of cowboys in their burnt orange sitting around <laughs> uh, sitting around a campfire singing "The Eyes of Texas Are Upon Us," and then there was another one with just Ricky Williams talking about hit really hippie things. Uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. I was I was laughing at the commercials on the Longhorn Network. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, let's, sounds, let's, like, let's, sounds like the uh, the Clive Reynolds marketing team. Right oh there. yeah, they're just you know, the just just ploying right to the uh, you know the Texas and how much those Texans really just love being from Texas. Um, so <laughs> that's always pretty funny to see. Um, I referenced uh, the Arizona State uh, team. They had, they had a big win at Colorado, thirty eight to twenty four. The key out of this one. Taylor Kelly breaks a bone in his left foot. Uh, he's going to be out for at least one to two games. That's a big loss. Uh, quarterback there that looks to be one of the top quarterbacks in the Pac-12. Yeah, and he's another one of those guys that's going to be a little bit mobile and uh, being mm-hmm. out for one to two games, uh, probably back for the Huskies game on October 25th, uh, which unfortunate for the Huskies, but um, you know I you mean, never know how much, yeah. you know, what kind of percentage he's going to be at. 
Yeah, Cason Williams broke his foot over a year, almost a year ago now, and he's still not 100%. So uh, it's going to be tough for him to come back this season. Uh, it sounds like he's going to, for the game, for uh, exiting the game, he had three passing TDs, one rushing TD, uh, and their offense really kind of fell apart once he left. Really changed their dynamic. Um, he's the, he's one of the top trigger men in the conference, uh, and it's kind of uh, too bad to see. Never want to root for injuries, but uh, you know it could end up helping the Huskies out down the road. Yeah, Colorado uh, also looking fairly decent. Um, Serviceable. Ifalu. Ifalu. Lufalu. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. No, he's looking. He's looking pretty solid uh, over there for the for the Buffs. Um, Yeah, he's a sophomore quarterback there. I believe he's from the Washington area, uh, but looking decent and competitive. And so you know, it's a game we go on the road to Boulder, and you never know. Uh, It could get get rainy and weird out there, and. Uh, you know, Colorado's not not quite the pushover they have been the last couple of years. No, absolutely. I mean, we said on the podcast that they could beat somebody, and um, they just might. <laughs> it, it's it's possible. It looks like they're they're right there in it, uh, just waiting to take that next step. Um, hopefully, that next step does not come at the expense of the dogs this season. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, Another thing, another one quick note out of this game, D.J. Foster, the running back for Arizona State, leading the Pac-12 in rushing. He's got 510 yards rushing in just three games. His lowest total on the year is 147 yards rushing, uh, averaging 9.7 yards a carry. This guy is one heck of a running back and someone uh, who's quite, quite electric. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, lots of good running backs in this league, uh, but D.J. Foster is definitely one who stands out. I mean, 147 yards is a fantastic day for <laughs> every for anybody anybody yeah. even in the NFL that's a huge day so um mm. the the fact that that's his lowest total is a little bit scary yeah definitely uh other uh, other news around the conference you got blowout wins for Wazoo over Portland State Connor Halliday throws for five TDs Oregon blows out Wyoming uh Stanford blows out Army 35-0 um, you know, nothing really to see here, although Oregon loses their fourth offensive lineman since fall camp started. Uh, I mean, they clearly look like the class of the Pac-12, but it's hard to handle that many injuries. Four offensive linemen, starting no linemen, that are out for an extended period of time. Uh, that's going to be tough to protect Marcus Mariota with a kind of a patchwork offensive line. Yeah, and Marcus Mariota showed that he's ready to go at things with reckless abandon. I mean, his rushing touchdown, which was one oh, of the better man. plays of the week, he flips into the end zone, and, I mean, he mistimes that flip or gets hit in the air. I mean, he might have yeah. broke his neck. Yeah, it we might be talking about another quarterback play. out there. Yeah, definitely. That was that was an impressive play, but I'm watching that going, what are you doing, Marcus? Just, just you know, get out of bounds, take your next down. So, uh, unbelievable play, and I mean, that's what makes him special is that he can make those plays, but all those Duck fans got to be holding their breath whenever he's running because they've gotten bit by the injury bug, and, uh, you know, hopefully, it's, hopefully for them it's not a matter of time before Marcus gets bit by it. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. One quick other thing, uh, rest in peace to Wazoo's uh, no win season um oh, Dick, got, got the victory got the victory over portland state poor, poor vikings r.i.p to their losing streak that was so glorious if i wasn't in my room i would i would i would pour one out right now but i uh, don't want to mess up the carpet so uh, i just uh, might <laughs> uh, last game in the Pac-12, Arizona struggling with Nevada. Get the win, 35-28. Uh, Solomon, their, their QB, uh, won the job over a couple guys that transferred and looked to be pretty good quarterbacks. This guy's a freshman, won their job, uh, looks looks pretty good as their QB. They're putting up a lot of points, but their defense blows. 
Yeah, not that great in Zona. And we said it from the beginning. We said, you know, going to be a lot of shootouts in the desert this year. So um, yep. looking like that's still going to be the case. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one other college game we want to hit uh, down in the Southeastern Conference. South Carolina gets it done 38-35 to over Georgia. And what's uh, what was a sh- pretty surprising uh, result? Yeah, the old head ball coach getting it done again. Uh, Steve Spurrier, he's just a wily old vet. He knows how to win games and win big-time games. And who knows, Kyle, this throws SEC East into all kinds of turmoil. Four teams already have a conference loss. Only two of them have a win. Uh, I mean, it's anybody's game right now. It could be Mizzou. It could be South Carolina. It could be Georgia. Um, I, I don't mm-hmm. even know what to think about that that division. Yeah, yeah right definitely. Now. I mean, I think Mizzou, South Carolina, and Georgia are clearly the top three teams there. Uh, I'd probably favor Mizzou at this point uh, just because they, they don't have a conference loss yet. They do go to South Carolina this week in what should be a, a pretty solid matchup. I do like Matty Mock there as their QB. But Georgia, yeah, you thought after their big win against Clemson at the start of the year, a lot of people had them ranked in the top five, uh, possibly getting into that playoff. Um, but they, they just couldn't uh, couldn't get it done on the road. And uh, Todd Gurley wasn't shut down but uh, wasn't able to be that – that uh, man child we thought he could uh, that could carry their team to victory on the road yeah absolutely south carolina is gonna get uh gonna have to go to jordan harris stadium and play the tigers of auburn uh so that's gonna be a tough game for them georgia also plays auburn but they get them at home so a little bit more manageable um you know i, I the funny thing is is that right now as as we're podcasting on a tuesday night uh Florida at the top of the SEC East, which after a who, triple overtime win at Kentucky, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> an absolute barn burner that I thought I, I kind of thought the the Wildcats got hosed on that one. Uh, yeah. I was rooting big for uh, for Big Blue, which I never do. I do not root for Kentucky, and uh, I was rooting hard for him right there to, I to mean, pick how, off. How can Florida. you root for How can you root for Will Muschamp? Though, come on. <laughs> yeah, I know it's it's hard, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, well, uh, that wraps up all our recaps in the college football season. Uh, should we should we do a little Final Four talk? Oh, yeah, let's talk about that Final Four. What's that? Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? And now, the Sports with Teeth Hypothetical Selection Committee. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. I mean, if Tyrone Willingham could do it, how hard can it be? Ah, yes, and we call to order the meeting of the selection committee here on the Sports with Teeth. And like I said, if Tyrone can do it, we can probably do it, huh, more. Oh, I think so. There, I mean, there are a lot of things I think Tyrone can do that uh, that, that I could probably do, too. So uh, <laughs> like, a lot of things uh, I think he can't do that I could probably have done, too. Like maybe win a game in 2008. I don't know. Maybe. Possibly. Hypothetically, maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, War, you want to go with your Final Four or should I start? Yeah, uh, I think you've been starting lately, so I'll go for, through mine first. Um, no right. changes for me. Um, Oregon, Alabama, Oklahoma, Florida State, um, which actually mirrors the AP top four right now. I feel like kind of a kind of you know kind of a media shill for doing that, but uh, you know it's uh, these That's, are four fantastic four teams. teams. They're ranked that way um, for a reason. Yeah, no, it's it's totally true. Alabama rolls over Southern Miss. Oklahoma pretty handily beat Tennessee. Um, one of the things I, I picked out of that game was uh, Trevor Knight had a great, great 
uh, game against the Vols. Um, went Oklahoma, 20 for 33, uh, 308 yards and a touchdown. He did throw a pick, but um, had a pretty solid game against uh, the fellows in Burnt Orange. Yeah, Oklahoma also has a real real nice defense, uh, and they, they, they do face the West Virginia this week in, a, in what could be a sneaky, sneaky trap game for them. Yeah, that's a that's a hell of a Big Twelve opener for them. Yeah, definitely. Clint Trickett's been putting up a lot of the yards, so uh, and they got to go to Morgantown. So you never know what happens when you go to the couch burning capital of the United States. West Virginia, Mountain Mama, take, take me, me home, home country roads. I honestly, where I think I might be calling for the upset. Ooh, big call right there. <laughs> Wait, I don't know. I, I might have just got John Denver in the call for that wow, upset. That's, that might be our bold prediction of the week right there. I think I'm going to go with it. Let's lock it up. <laughs> lock that in. I love it. Love, okay. love the confidence. So maybe maybe I'm thinking that you're going to have a new team in there next week, we'll, and we'll, uh, we'll get it discussed. So what was your four again? Uh, Oregon, Alabama, Oklahoma, and Florida State. Okay, that'd be that'd be a pretty fun playoff. Personally, I have Oregon at the top. This uh, this this O line definitely worries me. Like I mentioned, four O linemen going down. Uh, especially, you know, it's going to be tough tough to weather that. Especially when you go go up uh, against a pass rusher like uh, maybe say Howell Kikaha. Oh God, I hope so. <laughs> One can only hope. But uh, Oregon's still in my final four as we speak. Uh, Marcus Mariota and that rest of that offense just too much. And the defense with Ifo Ekre Olmu that's sneaky good as well. Auburn, I also have in there as the favorite to win the SEC. They do have a big game this Thursday in the Little Apple in Manhattan, Kansas, against a uh, sneaky K-State <laughs> team. Uh, I really like their offense with Jake Waters uh, at the helm. Uh, Ricardo Lockett uh, is a receiver form that's pretty explosive. So, well, Thursday night, we finally got a good Thursday night football game to watch for. Yeah, absolutely. Go up against that NFL Thursday night game, uh, a game I think I thought the Seahawks and Broncos probably should have shared, but you know who am I to judge? Um, yeah, <laughs> so they don't they don't want to give any more uh, primetime games up up in Seattle for that yeah, unfair why. advantage. Uh, anyways, uh, Baylor also in my in my top four here. Uh, they they're putting up a lot of points as is as is tradition. Uh, first in the nations in points scored, fifty nine point three points a game. Bryce Petty played. Played last week after suffering that cracked vertebrae in uh, week one. Uh, he had a ho-hum pedestrian, uh, 416 yards passing. Uh, he's pretty good. Baylor's real good on offense. And then I also have Florida State in there. They get to play Clemson this week. We got game day going to Tallahassee. I look for them to make a big statement there on a national stage after struggling uh, on that last time they had a national stage against Oklahoma State in week one. Um, also, news breaking out of uh, Florida State today that Jameis Winston is still an idiot. Uh, I don't know if you guys, I'm not going to mention what he did, but just Google it, dead spin it. Uh, game day signs should be pretty interesting this week, huh? Oh, as they always are. As they always are. So that wraps up our uh, selection committee meeting. I have Oregon, Auburn, Baylor, and Florida State. Alex goes with Oregon, Alabama, Oklahoma, and Florida State. And I have West Virginia upsetting Alex's third-ranked team in the country. Uh, let's let's make sure we flag that, and uh, we'll bring that up next week when uh, right. Oklahoma waxes them in Morgantown. Ooh, I don't know, I don't know. You heard it here first. Oh, can we find can we find a spread real quick? I'm I'm gonna, I'm going to do a little little research here. Okay, uh, you, you you Google a spread. I'm going to start talking about the Seahawks. If that works for you, go for it.
Uh, Seahawks uh, drop this game down in San Diego, 30-21. to uh, Warnicky last week told you guys to lock that up on the survivor pool. Good thing I... Uh, Good thing I warned you guys not to do that. I knew it was going to be a tough game going down there, but uh, or you pick someone else instead. Uh, what happened there? God, serves me right to pick a rival. I picked the freaking 49ers in my survivor pool this week uh, to beat the Bears in their stadium opener. I didn't think there was any way that they were going to drop that game, but uh, Colin Kaepernick decides to throw three picks and lose a fumble. Uh, uh, not, a, not a way you win a game. Yeah, just blowing a 17-point lead. But, uh, yeah, it was a hot game down in San Diego. Way hotter than anything the Seahawks practiced into the VMAC. You know, it showed up uh, on their defense. We had some cramping issues. Time of possession was the the real issue there. Phillip Rivers just controlled the ball. He looked awesome, and our defense was just on the field way, way too much, um, especially in that kind of heat where it was on the field. It was over 110 degrees out there. Yeah, it obviously had a had – a- sway on the game i think um hotter than any practice at the vmac this summer um so these guys are not really used to it i mean yes they're it's not an excuse for them by any means um i don't think you heard any of the seahawks players complaining about it after the game but um i mean they're elite athletes they shouldn't be complaining about that sort of thing but um i think it definitely had an impact on our defense and on the offensive line yeah, clearly. I mean, uh, you got noted down here that, that you only take eight offensive linemen into the game, you know, and there's five of them out there playing. It's hard to rotate any of those guys. An offensive line's a position, unlike defensive line, where you need that you need that cohesion in that same group of five guys. I'm sure you could talk talk to that more, or as an offensive lineman yourself. But you know, they they get used to working together. It's hard to rotate guys in, and you could see see that showing as well in in that kind of uh, conditions. Yeah, Kyle, the offensive line is a position of high communication between, uh, you know, your center starts it off and then he the calls kind of go through throughout the line. And when you have a different guy at, at a guard position or a different guy at a tackle position, um, you know, that, that communication doesn't always go the exact same way as it does when you have somebody that you're used to. And um, when they have to rotate those guys through to get them breaks, uh, it, it doesn't really doesn't really work. And we saw it, we saw it on the field. I mean, Russell Wilson was getting just chased all over the field never had for his life good pocket to throw out of um he looked kind of like brett hundley out there running for his life absolutely and you know (laughs) kyle another point of this game the way that you battle that that uh that just stern pass rush is that you give the ball to your horse and for the seahawks that's marshawn lynch he carried the ball six times six times that's got to yeah. be a low for his career. How how in the world does that happen? I mean, we didn't have they didn't have the ball for one very often because Rivers just was awesome. You know, converting a lot of third downs on us. Something our defense just couldn't get off the field, and so so them them dominating time possession really uh, allowed you know their defense to stay fresh and really get after our quarterback. And uh, you know we didn't get a chance to establish the run game, and then we're playing catch up the whole second half. You know, but and here's the thing: we we got dominated. You know, we didn't really show up for that game and played like crap but we still had a chance to win down at the end you get the ball with three minutes left and you're down six uh after getting dominated like that you know that they're this is a team that's in every game because because of their talent and uh execution yeah i mean i think a lot of people probably had russell wilson taking the team down the field and scoring a touchdown i, that th- I thought he i thought he was gonna nah, so did i so did i was watching i unfortunately couldn't watch the game but watching on game tracker and uh you know i was thinking no russell's got the ball with three minutes left down six like this is setting up perfectly for us to steal a win uh 
a la that that Houston game last season yep, where uh, exactly, Richard Sherman exactly. yep. picked took the pick six off Matt Schaub and just took it to the house. Um, kind of a kind of a steal the game and run out of there while while the uh, while everybody's kind of looking around for who did it. Um, yeah. So I thought <laughs> that, that was going to happen. Didn't work out that way, but um, like you said, they were still in it. They got dominated time of possession wise. They got dominated on the run game um, on both sides of the ball, and uh, just overall a pretty pretty poor effort. The one thing I will say, this happened early in the season. No one goes undefeated. There's only been one team to ever go undefeated and win the Super Bowl, um, and that was the I believe the '79 Dolphins. Seventy-three. Um, Seventy-three. Uh, there my, you go. My friend Max is going to kill me on that one. <laughs> Big <laughs> Dolphins fan. Um, but, yep. you know, nobody wins them all. Uh, early season loss. Yeah, it might not had, be the worst thing for them. Also, Take had a the 49ers, also had the 49ers losing a game, so that helps with the standings. Um, so uh, I think all, all their attention, they should kind of just push that, that last game away and focus on what's a huge game coming up this weekend. Yeah, definitely. A huge rematch against the uh, AFC champion uh, Broncos last year. Peyton Manning uh, hoping to hoping to do have a little bit better showing against this defense than he did in New York for the Super Bowl. Yeah, the Seahawks really need to come out firing on all cylinders on uh, Sunday there because, I mean, if you know one thing about Peyton Manning, he's not going to get fooled twice. Uh, he's going to come out. He's going to have a lot of fixes for what that team did in the Super Bowl, and they're going to come out fairly confident as well i think they should um i think they improved in the off season uh, a lot of people including the uh, major nfl writers today put the broncos as the number one team in their power rankings uh supplanting the seahawks so uh i think the seahawks have something to prove uh which is you know a little bit different they didn't really have a whole lot to prove uh against san diego and they kind of let it get to them um but this is a huge game huge stage and uh i think I mean, this is probably going to tell how our season goes, how this game goes. Yeah, totally. Totally. Big game. Uh, it's going to be hard for Peyton Manning, though, to do his, all his calls he likes to make at the line with that, that home field advantage that we have at CenturyLink. Uh, that's pretty well well documented throughout the league. Everyone knows. They're going to probably get to be prepared for that, but still, it's it's something that, that you got to you gotta experience, and uh, yeah, it's going to make things tough on Peyton and that, that electric uh, offense for the, for the Broncos. Absolutely. All right, Kyle, found a line for you. Oklahoma, West Virginia. Oklahoma giving up seven and a half points on Bovada.com. Seven and a half. See, that's kind of that's kind of low, sneaky low, you know. I think you know Vegas, Vegas you know knows what? something. But my lock of the week is Oklahoma's covering it. Oklahoma's covering it. Should we put oh, something yeah. on? The, should we put something on this? I don't know. What's what's you, what's you, your? Uh, how's your pocketbook feeling? You are coming up to uh, to Seattle for that Stanford game. How that is about we true. How about we bet some protein that we throw on the grill for that tailgate on this game? Winner buys the meat. Winner or, buys the meat loser, for the tailgate. Loser buys. Loser yeah. buys the meat. Loser buys the meat uh, for the like tailgate. It. You like it? I like it. I like All it. Right. Let's do it. And we'll, we'll think about what what we want to, what that meat to be. But uh, I just suffice to say, it's not going to be hot dogs. No, no, no. It'll be something good. You guys can listen next week. We'll uh, be sure to. Be sure to announce who won that, and maybe some ideas for uh, our next week's ta- or our two weeks from now tailgate uh, when the Huskies welcome the tree Stanford to town. 
Yeah, um, that's, that's, it's going to be a good one. They announced that's going to be a 1 p.m. kick, so another afternoon game at, at Husky Stadium. Got to love the afternoon games. Uh, gets gets you down there to the to the field early and uh, lets you lets you watch the night games too. So it's great stuff. Um, one last thing, I told you guys I was going to play the uh, nobody touches the Shaq just sound drop every time Shaq Thompson scores a touchdown this year. Uh, I only he scored two touchdowns last week. I only played it once. So here you guys go one more time. Nobody touches the Shaktis. Gotta love that, huh? Nobody touches him. Uh, <laughs> one, one, a couple quick things before we get off here. A uh, little bit of a short podcast today, so feel fine uh, throwing these in. Um, congratulations uh, to the Seattle Sounders who wrapped up their fourth uh, U.S. Open Cup today, win the big trophy, fourth time in six years that they've won that trophy. Uh, pretty special um, win so for them, beating you, the so- Philadelphia Union three to one. So I have no clue much about soccer, which maybe some listeners do as well. Don't as well. Uh, what exactly is the U.S. Open Cup? So the U.S. Open Cup is basically any team that's either professional or semi-professional in the United States gets entered into this cup competition, and it's basically like a big March Madness tournament. Um, you play, you play your way through. It's you lose and you're out, and. Uh, at the at the kind of closing of the season, not quite the end of the MLS season, um, the final two teams play for the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. Uh, Lamar Hunt also a uh, very prominent figure in the starts of uh, the start of professional NFL football uh, in the United States, which is a fun little historical owner, tidbit. Owner of the Chiefs, I believe. I believe you might be correct on that one. Former yeah, owner so of the Chiefs, yeah. Just basically think it's like if. Every high school, college, and NFL football team all entered into a March Madness-style bracket and uh, just played it out to see who won, um, nice. but to a little bit less of an extent. Uh, it's, it's actually more <laughs> like if the CFL, NFL Europe, and you know the now defunct NFL Europe and uh, and the NFL all kind of like came together in the one. Arena Football League too. Oh yeah, there we Throwing go. There the we go. X- XFL playing in there too. Nice. Well, congrats, <laughs> congrats to the Sounders. Always great to see Seattle teams doing well. Uh, the other one we'd be remiss to mention is the Mariners. Still in that playoff hunt. Uh, they're looking good tonight. Um, it's going to be tough with that road schedule down the stretch. Uh, trying to chase the A's down, the the uh, Tigers down, the Royals down. Hopefully they can make it in and lock up one of those final two wild card spots. Yeah, Mariners winning big tonight in uh in Los Angeles against the Angels. I believe the final score was somewhere something like thirteen to one, thirteen to two. Um so winning big. I believe the Royals lost as well today, so the Mariners picking up a full game. Now one game back, I believe, of the uh of the Royals if my uh if if Root was telling me correctly early on in the broadcast so god god knows if root was correct on their information um I mean, yeah no i feel like i feel like i've tried to stick a fork in this this mariners team and could say that they're done a few times this year but they're just so resilient you know after that three game skid real tough loss last saturday night with rodney walking four guys in the 10th inning after felix threw another pretty awesome game and cano ties it up in the in the eighth inning there so tough loss there and they dropped two more in a row not in not even close fashion and it's like okay they're fading they're done and then you see that happen tonight where they jump start that offense and you know why not why not us i mean it, it worked well for the seahawks last year didn't it uh 
funny funny little anecdote here i was uh driving around uh driving home from work the other day i get uh, obviously get bay area sports radio uh listening to it and they had a an analyst or a radio host from uh espn 710 espn seattle on on the uh, radio show talking in a's mariners and uh the guy comes on and says i can't believe i'm saying this but if the mariners get to the playoffs they have as good of a shot and maybe even a better shot than almost anyone to win yeah. the World Series. Win the Dude, World Series, Kyle. That's what I'm saying, man. I think this team with the, with the way their pitching sets up, with the way their bullpen sets up, I think they got a they got a just as good a shot as anyone. You know, because what's what it means is if they're going to make the playoffs, that means they're hitting the ball well going down the stretch. They're going to have some hot hitters. And if that can carry for two more weeks to and throughout the playoffs, uh, baseball is a game of, of chance, you know. And and you don't have to be the best team uh, to win the title. I just asked uh, the Boston Red Sox last year, who Big Poppy just got super duper hot for the week and a half stretch, and they won the World Series. Yeah, and I mean, uh, the only my only qualm on that is. There's not a lot of playoff experience in this team. I mean, obviously, Robinson Cano has a ton of it. Um, mm-hmm. But outside of that, uh, it's pretty slim in the cabinet and, there for experience-wise. Hey, how about Andy Chavez? Okay, all right, Andy. Andy bringing the veteran huge, presence. Huge uh, home run robbing save in the t- 2006 NLCS for the Mets. So, oh, man, that's did, taking it way back. That's bringing it way back, folks. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think I think you got you got an ace in Felix that anchors the staff. Uh, you get him going in that one-game playoff, I feel confident against anyone with him, especially if it's the A's. He shuts down the A's all the time. Uh, and then, you know, you got you got Paxton and Iwakuma behind him. I think those two, two guys are pitching well. Um, so you never know. Kyle, I I'll, I'll just say this: I've already bought my wild card t- ticket in Oakland. If it happens Ooh. down here, oh, I already threw down the money. Only only I'll thirty love... bucks. Only thirty bucks for the Coliseum one. I can you, I could can you not get, do it. Can you buy me one of those too? Uh, do you want one? <laughs> I, I, I would be down. Uh, we've got couches down here, Kyle, <laughs> as you right know full on. well. <laughs> Right on, man. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up here for us tonight. We got got a little uh, little scatterbrain there at the end, which kind of like we we're f- free uh, freelancing that one. Didn't have any notes on it, so that was that was always fun to do. So uh, fun stuff. Or uh, and well, big game this weekend uh, the Huskies and the Seahawks and West Virginia Oklahoma. So we'll be watching all those and recapping them here next week uh, on the Sports of Teeth podcast. Yeah, absolutely. As always, you guys. Please feel free to join us on the social media at Sports with Teeth, the Sports with Teeth podcast on Facebook, or Sports with Teeth at gmail.com. Uh, good podcast, Kyle. I'm looking forward to uh, doing it again next week with a 4 0 Huskies team, a 2 1 Seahawks team, and a Mariners team who have locked up the playoffs. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> I don't even know at if that's mathematically possible, but <laughs> at least still, at least still mathematically alive Mariners team. There we go. I'm, I'm, I'm knocking. I'm knocking on the wood too here. There we go. All right. Well, have a good week, and uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, keep those teeth sharp, and we'll see you soon. Peace. This has been the Sports with Teeth podcast. We'd like to thank you for listening, and until next time, adios, amigos.